Anyone? Ah. Uh. I still love you, regardless of the fact that you didn't memorize the memory verse. My heart is hurt, you know, my heart is hurting. You didn't memorize the verse, so I'm like wondering, do I need to go through the book of Colossians again? I think we might have to just do it again. I'm just kidding. Um, Memorize the verse, right? Memorizing scripture is so, so important. So let's just say it together, right? Memory verse, very important. So here we go. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Give yourselves a hand. You read well, which tells me that you could have memorized it. I'm just saying, right? But you didn't. It's all right. So if you, if you, if, if you would, stand with me. We're going to go ahead and we are going to read um, chapter 4. And um, I'm going to begin reading in verse 7. And it says this. It says, Tychicus, a, belo- a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will make known to you all things that are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instruction. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a a great zeal for you, those who are in Laodicea and those in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphos and the church that is in his house. Now, now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of, of the Laodiceans, that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand. Paul, remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for this book that you have inspired. Thank you so much for the truth that is in your word. And thank you for reminding us, even as we worship today from beginning to end of our songs, Lord God, it is all about you. And so we thank you because that coincides with what the author's intent was in the writing of Colossians, I pray that in these moments together that you would speak clearly to our hearts. God, open our ears and help us to hear clearly that we would be able to obey you fully, God. We thank you for this and we pray this all in Jesus' good name and everyone said, 
Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so as I said, we are in the last um, um, message in the book of Colossians, and we are going to be um, closing up here. And depending on your um, personality type and your temperament, um, this message is going to resonate really well with you, um, or it's going to be one that is really going to challenge you in a big way. And um, if you're wondering, the title of the message it is, Are You Connected, right? And so we want to talk about that as we're wrapping up because what the Apostle Paul does is he walks us through at the end as he's closing out his letter, he closes with a list of names of people that are important obviously to the church because he goes through a list. I mean, that's a lot of verses that I just read there and Paul is having or closing out the letter and he's talking to them and so for some of you, you know, you are the type of person, you're an extrovert and so when I say are you connected, you're like, yes, let's connect, like let's jump in, like I want to be everywhere. I want to be at every party. I don't want to just be part of one connect. I want to be part of all the connect, right? Like, can I be part of all of them, right? That's like some of you in the room. And then there's others of you in the room that are like, are you connected? And you do your best to just like dodge and, you know, you weave and you try to get out. You actually leave early, right, sometimes because you don't want to see Pastor Chad out there in the connect tent, right? You don't want to be bombarded by anyone and ask the question. And then you want to like just act like you didn't know that we've been making announcements for weeks about Core Connect, right? That's like some of you. And so, again, it's it, this isn't about personality, right? This isn't about your personality type. This isn't, isn't about what you or I are comfortable with. This is about what the Bible teaches, right? The Bible teaches us how important relationships are, right? And, and, and the reason why that becomes so important is because if you look at your outline there, there are voices in our culture who would have us believe that the church has lost its relevance within the culture. If you listen to... Um, 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 People that are doing statistics, whether they're Christian or non-Christian, um, you'll see that they will say in some places that, you know, the church has lost its relevance in the culture. If you listen to the media and depending on who you're listening to, they will tell you the church has lost its relevance in the culture. And so what I want you to think about is this, is that we must recognize the truth and the deception in this statement. The truth is this, outside of a devotion to gospel-centered disciple making, the church is irrelevant because it is operating outside of God's design and purpose. Let me, let me read that again. The truth is, outside of a devotion to gospel-centered disciple-making, the church is irrelevant because it is operating outside of God's design and purpose. And so what happens is the church loses its relevance when we are busy doing things that we're not commissioned by God to do. We are called to influence culture. We are called to bring the word of God to bear in every decision and everything that happens within our culture. But I want you to know that it is not the way that we have tried to do it, whether it's through social justice or it's through other activities, whether it's political, wherever it's at. You know, I was so excited. He's not here today, um, but Alex Bravo, young man, uh, he's a teacher in the schools and he wants to run for uh, 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 one of the one of the positions in government in the in the city of Oviedo and I don't know what his aspirations are beyond that but what I realize is this is that that's the way that you would influence government would it not be it would be for you as a Christian to come into that arena and begin to speak life but here's the thing it's not just in a voting booth right that's not the only place that we should be influencing culture we influence culture by influencing the people in the culture 
And the way that that happens is through gospel-centered discipleship. The reason why every week I remind you, and you thought I forgot, but I'm going to go ahead and remind you right now about the outline that you have in your hand and the purpose of it is for what? So you can follow along with me in the beginning of the outline and so you can answer the questions that are in there. And also, just in case you forgot, it is so that way we can help you to make disciples. So here's the thing. I cannot go with you every week to go to work and sit down next to you and say, hey, are you making disciples? Hey, you know that person right there that needs to hear about Jesus? Hey, you want to sit down with them and invite them to lunch. Hey, I can't do that with you. You know what I can do? I can do this. I can preach a message. I can go ahead and give you some things that I hope you're thinking about. I can give you some tools and that way you can go forward and hopefully this piece of paper that you take home with you, you can go ahead and you say, man, who can I share this with? Who can I walk with, right? And so we're getting ready to start a new series next week. We're going to talk about upside down and um, turning our world upside down. I'm pretty excited about that. But here's what I know, and I'm going to say this next week, and you're going to hear this for every week that I preach through that series. You know how we turn the world upside down? By making disciples. We don't turn the world upside down by anything else. It is by making disciples. And when we look in the book of Acts, as we will, we'll see that we make disciples and we turn the world upside down. And so, again, the, the, the truth is this, is that if we are focused and committed to anything else primarily, right, it doesn't mean like I just said about Alex, right, because somebody would say, well, the church just makes disciples. We don't need to worry about government. That's not true. You know what we need to do? We need to disciple people who will walk into positions of government. Hello. And that way they will be godly and we won't be back here arguing about who's the most godly. Hello. Right? And that's what we do, right? And anyway, that's another topic we'll, we'll talk about in two years. But, but all that said, here's the thing, right? When we, when we deal with these scenarios, right, we deal with these things, we have to consider the way that we influence culture is that way, through disciple making. But here's the other side of this, and this is the deception. The deception is if you believe the church has lost its relevance, you'll buy into the lie that the church needs to reinvent itself to find relevance in the culture. Let me read that again for you. I want you to get that. The, the deception is if you believe the church has lost its relevance, you'll buy into the lie that the church needs to reinvent itself to find relevance in the culture. And here's why I say that. Because what happens is making disciples is messy. Y'all know you're a mess, right? Right? You know you have issues, right? You know it's not just everybody else that has issues. You realize that. You know, it was, it, was, it was sad but kind of funny, right? We were, we were, we were talking today um, in, 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 in our prayer circle, and Minister Eric, during the, during the time of petitioning, he said, you know, um, I, I don't know if you heard about the pastor. I don't know if you heard about the pastor in California that committed suicide, um, and so really sad situation. And you know me, sometimes my jokes are not timely, right? And so, you know, I was like, yeah, I know. I, he's like, so I want to pray for my pastor. And then I was like, yeah, because I often think about suicide. And that, that was kind of insensitive, right? So, um, but, the, the, you know, in, in, in thinking through this, right, when we're, when, when, we're, when we're talking, the reality is you see a situation like this, and, and the joke was, and Eric, you know, he, he was like, yeah, you think probably about homicide more than suicide. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's probably true. Um, but the, the reality is, right, and you'll, you'll get that when you go home, right? Like, what does he mean he thinks about homicide more than suicide? The, 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 the truth is we deal with difficult situations. We deal with difficult people. I'm difficult. I'm not always the easiest one, you know. I was, I was accused this morning of being argumentative, glory to God, in my office, you know. I mean, it was, you know, and I take it in stride. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm a preacher. I'm argumentative, you know what I mean? But, 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 but the reality is we're difficult. And so here's, here's why this is so important. 
Because people are difficult, because situations are difficult, because life is messy, you know what that means about discipleship? It's hard. It is hard work. Listen, I say to you, you can just sit down with someone and talk to them about the Bible. I am not stupid enough to think that that's where it ends. You know what I realize is that when you decide to sit down with someone and start talking about the Bible, guess what's going to happen? Issues are going to start coming up. Situations are going to start rising. You're going to start seeing the ugliness in someone's life that you never saw before and probably having to repent about some of the ugliness in your life that they've never seen before. Discipleship is about real life. And you know what it is? We don't want to deal with real life, so we'll we'll rather do something else, right, that seems relevant and we'll reinvent ourselves rather than saying, you know what we need to do? We need to be committed to what Jesus commissioned us to be committed to, which is making disciples, getting messy, getting dirty, getting involved in people's lives, and helping them come to a greater knowledge of Jesus. And so here's the thing. I want you to think about this. Without relationships rooted in righteousness, we will never fulfill God's purpose. Let me say that again. Without relationships rooted in righteousness, we will never fulfill God's purpose. We will never fulfill God's purpose without relationships that are rooted in righteousness. And where do those relationships come from? They come from other believers, They come from other people that we have to be connected to. We have to be in relationship with those who have professed faith in Christ. And listen, sometimes we want to run from relationships. You know why? Because we don't want accountability. Seriously. And sometimes we want to run from relationships because we don't want to hold people accountable. We don't don't want to be held accountable. We don't want to hold people accountable. Let the pastor do that. Listen, I've been pastoring long enough to know that I get stuff that comes to my door like, people, you should have dealt with that a long time ago. Before it ever came to me, you should have had that conversation. You should have addressed that person. It's not for the pastors. You know what's the worst one of all? The worst one is all, hey, I got to tell you something you can't tell anybody. Hmm. I've learned a new thing. One of my pastor friends taught me this. He said, listen, you need to make sure that when people confess stuff to you that you let them know, listen, I'm not a priest. I didn't swear some, some thing of secrecy. I'm not going to go gossip your business, right? But if you confess sin, that affects others, and we need to talk to others. We need to have some conversations, right? We need to address those things. And so the reality is I feel like we as a church need to have relationships. If we don't have relationships, we will never fulfill the will of God. We will never. I had an uncle. He was probably like a great uncle because he was my grandfather. Great, great, great. I don't know, something like that. But he was like, he was my grandfather's uncle. So you, put, you do the math and figure it out, right? But he was my grandfather's uncle. And I remember that I stood with him for like one week. And he was very like, um, he was very reclusive. I mean, he was, he was, I mean, he was like a, a super, like, I've never seen someone so OCD in my life. I mean, um, you know, one day I left, uh, I didn't wipe the sink down at night before bed. And he like got all upset because he was like, hey, roaches come, you know, for that. I'm like, bro, it's water. It's going to dry. Like, that was my thought. But that was the way that he was, right? And I'm like a, an 11-year-old kid. Like, I was definitely not even wanting to wash dishes, much less wipe a sink down after washing the dishes. And so he was like that. And, and the guy believed in God. He believed in God. And I only know this because we went to the bank before we left on this trip that we were going on together. And when we went to the bank, as we, got, as we went there, he goes inside. And, and this is what he was doing because he, he, he was a um, retired military. And, um, and he, was, he was transferring money from one account to another account, right? 
And this other account, I, I kid you not, it was his tithe account. But he wasn't giving it to anyone. But he knew it was God's money. I, have no, I was too young to really like dig in. If it would have been today, I'd be like, so what are you going to do with that money? Like, I'm, I'm, you know. And if I would have known, I'd be like, yo, in a few years, I'm going to be a preacher. Like, we'll need some startup funds or something. I don't know. But yeah, I'm just kidding. But, you know, the, the thing is, he, was, he, was, he, knew, he had a knowledge of God, but he didn't have anybody in his life to, like, spur him forward in his faith, to help him grow, you know, beyond certain things and certain, certain ways that he was. And, and you know what? It's easy to be a Christian alone. Hello? Right? It's easy to be a Christian and not be around other people. I, I mean, seriously, what do I mean by that? Listen, there's nobody, there's nobody holding you accountable for the way you're living, right? There's nobody there saying, hey, man, are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Like, man, you, you, you still struggle with the same sins over and over. Like, you know, like w- there's nobody in your life like that. And so without relationships rooted in righteousness, we will never fulfill God's purpose. So the first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must be connected to real brothers to fulfill God's purpose. And you'll know, and, and you notice there's a few verses there um, on the side of that point. And so um, Tychicus, and, and I don't, I, you know, I, I've, I've heard a couple different ways to pronounce that. Tychicus, Tychicus. I'm going to go with Tychicus, okay? We'll call that today. We're going to call him Ty. How about that, right? All right, so Ty. We'll call him Ty, right? So Ty, a belo- I'm just kidding. Um, Tychicus, we're going to go with that. A beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all of the news about me. Three things that Paul points out about this guy. And you see these three things being fleshed out throughout these, the remainder of these verses. But I want to separate these three components as something that it, it should be in our lives. We need these types of people in our lives. And so the first one is this. is that When I said real brothers, um, you know, I, I like the word beloved, but it's just not a real masculine word for me. So I'm sorry. But, but so that's why I said real brothers, right? Like I'm just, I'm just keeping it real, y'all. You know, I. I like real brothers, right? Like I'm not gonna walk up to Pastor, Pastor I'm like, hey man, you're you're my beloved. Like I'm, I, I do that to my wife, right? Like I'm just I'm just I'm just keeping it 100 with you, okay? But 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 the reality is, we need real brothers, right? We need like real relationships, like with men, you know. And, and this is a man talking about a man, so this isn't in any way, shape, or form a non-masculine term. I'm just telling you how I feel about it. But the reality is, he says this beloved brother. Right? So the first thing that we have to have is we have to be connected with real brothers to fulfill God's purpose. If we are not connected with these real brothers, we're going to have issues. Why is this important? You'll hear me repeat this again in a couple of weeks specifically. But we are a body. Right? We are a body. Last night I was watching um, a movie. I always cry in this movie, man. And so just so you know, right, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sensitive dude, right? Um, but you're probably wondering what... Okay, so it's the movie Real Steel. Have you seen that movie? You seen that movie, the, the movie with the robots, right? I don't. Do you cry too when you see the movie? It's right. It's like it's emotional, right? Like you, all my dudes, they're gonna go watch it and be like, I wasn't crying, Bishop. I'm a, you, whatever. You watch the movie with your heart, you're gonna be crying. But anyway, there's one part of the movie, right, where he get where where he gets it. It's an old movie, so I give you. There's no spoiler alert. You should have seen it already like ten times. Um, but. Uh, there's one part of the movie where the, where he gets this robot, and he's like this amazing robot fighter, and he's in the ring against this other dude and when, uh, the, uh, this other robot, and this other they're, they're having this fight, and he goes to do a combination, and the other robot grabs his arm and then chops his arm off, and he throws his arm across the across the, um, the, the 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 ring, and what happens? That arm is no longer functional. He can no longer do anything, right? There's nothing else that can happen with that arm. That arm is over there. You know, it's, not, it's, it's, it's immobile, right? I'm like looking at my arm like, man, you could be of such great help. 
Are people looking at you like that? Like, seriously, like, are they looking at you like, man, you could be of such great help. Like, if you would get connected, like, you would be of such great help. As difficult as you are, hello, right? As much of a mess as you are, you could be of such great help, right? And, and so we have to, we're a body, right? We are members of one another. We are family members of the household of God, right? Relationship or redemption didn't just save us from sin, but it, but it brought us where? Into a relationship with God and his children. Tychicus, a beloved brother, a real brother, right? When I look at that word beloved, what, what I understand about this word is that you don't just become beloved, right? Like you're, you're just walking in a room like, oh, beloved, right? Like that, that, that doesn't happen. Only with you and God, like when you repent of your sin, then you become this beloved automatically. But when it comes to you and I, right, beloved is, is something that takes time, which would give us to understand what? That there had to be a, a development of relationship. Like Tychicus had to be part of this guy's life. He had to be part and participating and be around Paul and being there serving beside him, getting to know him, hearing him preach and sharing the word. You know, there had to be some give and take in this relationship. This wasn't just a, you know, one-off, I saw you one day and that was it, or I see you one time a week. It wasn't that. It was a relationship that was really being built there, right? Someone doesn't just become beloved, but we grow into this. And here's the thing. When I talk about being real brothers or beloved brothers, here's what we need. We need brothers to walk with, right? We need people that we can walk with, right? And walking with people is not always easy. We need people that are willing to bear with us, right? We need people who are willing to forgive us. We need people who are willing to help us understand that there is forgiveness, that there is purpose, that there is hope, that there is help, that there is strength. That's what it means to walk with someone. Even when we don't feel, sometimes when you walk with someone, you're going to carry them. Hello, right? We need, we, we need people that are going to walk with us, that are going to do life with us, right? I always love this, you know, whenever we take, like, really nice pictures, we're doing something fun, you know, and we have the, we'll, we'll hashtag doing life together, right? But I'm like, man, but we never hashtag, we never take a picture of someone, like, dying in a hospital. We never take a picture of someone by the sick bed of their child. You know, we don't take those pictures and be like, yo, we're doing life together, Right? Like, we're not going to post that, but the reality is that's only one side of life, right? The fun part, the, the nice part. But what about the other parts? Like Paul's part right here, what does he say at the end? He says, remember my chains. In other words, he's like, hey, don't forget, I'm in prison right now. Don't forget to pray for me. Don't forget to lift me up. Don't forget about how I'm suffering here because there is suffering that is going on, right? Doing life together is recognizing that, hey, man, we're walking together. We are really engaging, really being there, right? We need people that we can confide in. How about that, right? I told you that, you know, I don't take the vow of a priest. That doesn't mean you can't confide in me. It doesn't mean that I can't be trusted. And you know what? I always say this. When we see the Bible in the book of James talks about confessing our sins one to another, you know what the reality of that is? It doesn't mean that we sit down in a big circle and just start confessing sin. Like that's not, this isn't, a, you know, an Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, um, meeting. That's not what this is. 
But what this does mean is that if you sinned against someone, you confess that sin to them and you repent of that sin. And, and, and you also confess sin that may have affected other people. And you find someone who you can confide in, not someone who's going to pat you on the back and oh, it's going to be okay. No, 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 no. You find someone that you can walk with, a real brother, a real sister, right? Find those people that you can walk with in your life. We need people who care about what's going on. What did Paul say here? He, was, he said that he, that he is going to tell you about everything that is going on with us. He cared about that. The people cared about what was going on. And so we need people like that in our lives. So here's my question as we wrap up this point. Do you have brotherly, and I want, I want you to listen to the specificity of this question. Do you have real brotherly relationships within Core Faith Church? I don't want you to say, yeah, have these relationships with someone outside. I'm talking about right here. You know why? Because if this is your home church, you should have those relationships here. You should have those relationships here. You should have people who walk with you daily. Listen, you should have people that you know that are in relationship with you. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have outside relationships. That's not what I'm saying. There's not some kind of cult or something like that. That's not it. But what I am saying is that if this is your home church, then you need to find those people that you can connect with. In other words, you need to take advantage of our core connect groups, for example, because there you can get to meet other people, right? And you can either commit to one group, one leader, and be there, or you can go ahead and you can find some other people so you can connect with others. That's the easiest way for you to do that, to seek out those relationships. Because you know what? Sometimes it's difficult to invite somebody that you don't even know to go out to eat, you know? And, and so, or, you know, to go and invite them to your house. But, you know, when you're going to something together, guess what? You can get to know people like that. You can develop relationships like that, right, by being in those same places. You know, are you seeking to build these type of relationships, right? So if you said no to the first question, are you seeking to build those type of relationships, right? And, and I've said this, and we were in our Multiply class um, the, 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 the first time that I did it. And in that class, there were people in that class who said, man, we feel, we feel like outcasts in this church. We feel like nobody cares about us. You know, we feel like nobody thinks about us. And you know what? And that was something that we had to repent of. We had to think about in that room. I, but again, I can't make people have relationships. And I wish, listen, I wish that I could clone myself. Straight up, like I do, right? I, but, but that's not what God called me to do. He called me to make disciples, right? And so disciples do that, right? And so the reality is you have to be there to be connected with other people, right? And here's, here, here's, here's I think, the bigger question. Do you believe the biblical mandate to pursue these types of relationships? Because here's the problem, and I said this in the beginning, and I'm going to wrap this up, but in the beginning I said this. For some of you, your personality is like, yes, we need to be connected. We need to be in relationship. And you're like all in there because that's your personality type. And for others of you, you reject this. You're like, no, nah, I don't like this. I don't, I don't feel this. I ain't feeling this. Listen, it doesn't matter what you're feeling. Does the Bible say it? Does the Bible command this? And if the Bible commands this, then we know that God doesn't make suggestions, right? God is commanding us something that is for our good, no matter how comfortable or uncomfortable we feel. Second thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must be connected, connected. to faithful ministers, faithful ministers to fulfill God's purpose. We must be connected to faithful ministers to fulfill God's purpose. I want you to realize this. When he says the first, and the first part of there, he calls him a beloved brother. And the second thing, he calls him a faithful minister, right? So the first one is about relationship, right, primarily. It's about that relationship that we have with Christ, that relationship that we have with each other because of our relationship with Jesus, right? It's about that, developing that bond, developing that relationship. But when we walk together, we also need to walk together 
together with people who are faithful ministers, meaning those who are on mission with us. Those who recognize that we are not just together, just to sit in, a, in, 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 and there's some people that this is what they want to do with their lives. They want to sit in their group of 12, their group of 10, their group of five, their group of three, and they want to live there until Jesus comes. And listen, I'm just saying, I don't know how you can stay that way, right, if you are really making disciples, right? And that's why when people come and they come to Core Faith and they're like, yeah, we love this, it's a small church. I'm like, man, that's the wrong mindset. That's the wrong thought process. And it's not because I want to be a big church to be a big church, right? I, listen, I can tell you this sincerely. I couldn't tell you this maybe a couple years ago, but I can tell you this sincerely today. If I died today, I would go before Jesus and I'd be like, Lord, I did everything that I could. Right? I, there, there's nothing, I'm, I'm not trying to achieve something for me, right? Because I realize that God is the one that's in control of all things. I have to be faithful. But what I am saying is this I don't want to just be a big church to be a big church. I want us to be a church that is reaching those who don't know Christ. I want to be a church that is engaging people where they are, building faith in Christ. I don't want to be a church that knows how to say it, hello, or messes up sometimes. But I had your back because I was going to engage and you were, you were building, so we, it doesn't matter, right? We're supposed to know both, right? So, I mean, it's like that should be normative for us. Like, okay, I want to engage people. I want to see where people are at. So, again, it's having those faithful ministers and not just ministers, not just people that come and they're like, and I'm going to call them this, you know, I'm not even going to call them that. But, you know, not, not just someone who just shows up like once in a while to do something and you get really excited. Nah, man, people who are putting their hand to the plow and who are working, not just a minister, faithful minister. Not just someone who's there once in a while, not just someone who shows up when they're begged to come, someone who says, I'm here, I'm committed because of the mission of Jesus. I'm a faithful minister, one who walks beside. And so what he does is he, is he recognizes Tychicus, then he talks about Onesimus next, right? I'm not going to have time to go through all of these scriptures, so please read it later on on your own. But he talks about Onesimus, this slave that's going back um, to his owner Philemon and all that stuff. He talks about them. And then he mentions these six other people there, right? And he talks about three guys that are Jews, and he talks about three guys who are Gentiles, right? He talks about three of them. And you know what that does for us? It lets us know something. It lets us see, you know, Right now, we live in a culture that is super divided. We live in a, co a culture that has all kind of stuff, especially on the racial level. Like, that's a real big thing now. You know what the Bible shows us? The Bible shows us what the gospel does. The gospel brings guys who were enemies, right, before the cross because Jews thought they were all that. Gentiles couldn't stand them, and they were both on opposing teams. And guess what Paul does? He says, hey, there's these guys right here. You know, they're working Jesus, justice, right, Mark. Like these guys, they are the ones that are there. They are helping me for the kingdom of God. They are of the circumcision, meaning they are Jewish. And then he goes and he talks about Epaphras, who we're going to deal with in the next point. He deals with Epaphras. He talks about him and his labor and prayer and things like that. Epaphras, remember, he's the guy who started this all off. And he talks about Epaphras. He talks about these people. And he's saying, look, you know, when we look at them, what do we see? What we see is that we see God brings us together. And what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be focused on the mission. We're supposed to be focused on the mission of making disciples. We're supposed to be focused in on that. We need to be connected with what? We need to be connected with those who are on mission extending the kingdom of God. Again, remember what I said about discipleship? Discipleship is the way that we extend the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God begins to transform lives and then our lives begin to transform culture right? That's what begins to happen. We see the kingdom of God manifested in that way. And, and we need to be also around those people who are doing what? Who are comforting us. Hello, somebody. Anybody need comfort sometimes? 
right? We need to be around those who are comforting us, right? Who are walking with us in the kingdom, who are comforting us. But how do we need comfort? We need comfort by people who come beside us again and who are doing what? They're doing their part while we do our part. That's comforting. Hello. As a leader, that's super comforting, right? When I don't have to worry about what's going on, when I don't have to worry about, you know, things are happening the way they should be happening. I mean, I don't know about you, but I know as a parent, it's the same thing, right? Like, you're worried. Like, when your kids are small and they're young, I told you all last week, my mom was sitting there. I'll probably say this in second service, maybe. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I, my mom used to leave sometimes, and we would act a fool, right? We, we would act a certain way, right? And we, because she wasn't there. And, and, I, and I'm assuming, because I'm a parent now, she was like, man, I wonder if these boys are doing right. I wonder if Jason is acting, I wonder, if, you know, if Jason is, is abusing his brothers. Hello. Right? Because I, I, I could have sworn, you know, I, I, now it's WWE. I, was, I think it was WWF back then, but I could have swore I was a wrestler. Hello. And my brothers were my partners. But anyway, nonetheless, they were, or actually they were my opponents. Um, so the, the, the question I have for you here is, are you a faithful minister? Right? Are you a faithful minister? And are you surrounded by faithful ministers? Right? Because sometimes you need to be surrounded by faithful ministers who let you know, hey, man, we're doing this for the glory of God. You need to be around people to help you understand the reason why we're doing this. The third thing, say this with me, we, we must be connected to fellow servants to fulfill God's will. We got to be connected to fellow servants to fulfill God's will. And, and so um, Tychicus was a person. He was a beloved brother. He was a faithful minister, right? So talking about the mission. And a fellow servant in the Lord is what it says in, in, in the New King James Version. A fellow servant in the Lord, right? This is that word doulos. It's a slavery term again. And he's saying he's a fellow slave in the Lord is what he's saying. He's one. And now this is the difference. And I want you to realize this is a voluntary thing. This is not being drafted. Are you here? He got saved and he gave his life. He understood. And this is why this one is so important because this one is different than being a faithful minister because this one is about me being someone who understands who I'm serving. It's about a commitment to the one that I am focused on in my service. I'm not doing this for anyone else. I am doing this for the glory of God. I am doing this because I have been redeemed. I am doing this because of what Christ has done for me, because of what the cross means to me, because I am grateful. I have surrendered my life. That's what this word doulos means there. A fellow servant of the Lord, one who is surrendered to God, submitted to God, yielded to God, focused on God for whatever it is that God wills for us to do. Now, I want you to look at verse 12 because I do want you to see Epaphras here. And it says this about Epaphras. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you, right? Remember, he's the one who planted this church in Colossae. He is a bondservant of Christ. There it is again, that bondservant, that terminology, greets you. Now, look what he says about him. Now, this is what it means to be someone who is a, a person, who is a fellow servant, always laboring fervently for you in prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in all of the will of God. So we see this first guy, Epaphras, he is identified as a bond servant. And what is he doing here? He is focused on Christ. But you know what he's doing as he's focusing on Christ? He is bringing the people before Jesus in prayer. He is interceding for them. He is passionately crying out to God for them. You know why? He knows who his allegiance is to, but he also knows who gives strength. 
He also know who it is that aligns them. And what is he praying for specifically? That they would be perfect, right? That they would be firm, that they would, that they would stand perfect, and that they would be complete in what? In their own feelings? No, in the will of God. Can I tell you something, church? We need that today. We need to be firm in what the will of God is. And again, I say this from my opening statement. What did I say there? I said that our culture wants to say that we're irrelevant. You know why? Because we've forgotten what the will of God is. We've forgotten what God's will is. When we know what God's will is, no one can say we're irrelevant. Whether people listen or not, that is irrelevant. What is relevant is that we are committed to the will of God. But you know what? You and I cannot be committed to something that we're not sure about. We won't be committed to something that we are not 100% certain about, that this is the will of God. And that's what Epaphras does. And can I tell you something? We need people around us, brothers around us, servants around us, ministers around us that are praying for us to be firm in the will of God, that are praying that we would be perfected in the will of God, that are praying that we would continue on. Because you know what? When someone is praying for you to be in the will of God, they will encourage you to continue in the will of God. That's what happens when we have those. And then Paul goes on, and as you continue reading here, look at verse 17. It says, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. What does Paul do here? Paul gives an admonition to Archippus, this person. And just so you know, in, 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 Philemon, in, in Philemon 2, he is called a fellow soldier. Again, this ties right in with the terminology of a fellow servant of Christ. He is a fellow soldier. And what does he tell him? He tells him to fulfill, to take heed, to fulfill the will of God, the ministry that God has given him. Take heed. So you know what? Sometimes we need to hear that, do we not? Take heed to the ministry that you've been given. Take heed to the ministry you've been given. Whatever God has entrusted you with as a brother, as a sister, you need to know, take heed to that. God's the one that gave you that ministry. Man didn't give you that ministry. God is the one who said, this is what I have for you. You fulfill it. And so what is Paul saying to Archippus? He's saying, hey man, you need to go on ahead and focus on the master and finish the call that he has put on your life. Fulfill the will of God. Fulfill the purpose of God. Do that. See, that's what we need by fellow servants. But you know what? When we're not focused on Jesus, we're not encouraging each other that way. When we're not focused on Christ, we're encouraging each other other ways if we're encouraging them at all. And so as I wrap this point up, here's my question for you. Who is encouraging you to stay focused on who you're serving? Who is it? Because plenty of people will encourage us to do other things with our lives, but who is encouraging you to stay focused on who it is that you're, ser you're serving? And let me flip it back on you. Who are you encouraging to continue to stay focused on who they're serving? Because when I say all of this about, about um, Tychicus being a person that is that beloved brother, right, that is that fellow servant, that is that, 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 that bond servant, that, that fellow or, or that faithful minister, when I talk to you about him being those three things and I break these three down, you know what I'm saying? We should have all of these three things in our lives. These are the kind of brothers we should be. These are the kind of ministers we should be. These are the kind of servants we should be. And so wrapping up, here's my question. Are you connected with those that will keep you moving in the right direction? Are you connected with those who will keep you moving in the right direction? When Paul gives this list of people, he's saying these people are going to help you continue in the right direction. That's what Paul is saying here. And so are you connected to those people? And let me throw another challenge in here before I pray. If you are not connected with those people, let me ask you this. Are you connected with people who are pointing you in the wrong direction? 
Because some of us should be seeking relationships with those who are pointing us in the right direction, keeping us moving in the right direction, but we're comfortable in the relationships with those who are pointing us in the wrong direction. You want to know why? It's not so much about the direction. It's because we need relationship. And because that person is filling that void, we stay with that person even though, or those people, even though they're not pointing us to Jesus, they're pointing us away, we know they are, and here's the thing, we need to be around those people and be connected with those righteous relationships. Why? Because if we are not connected with those in righteous relationships, we will not fulfill the will of God. So I'll stand on our feet, let's pray together. Father, we humble our hearts before you today. And Lord, I pray in this place that your spirit would fill my brothers, my sisters, that you would move mightily in our lives, that we would be men and women that are connected to you and connected to one another. I pray, God, that you would search our hearts. And I ask you, Lord, for anyone that is in here that does not know you, God, may they humble their hearts before you. May they repent of their sin. May they recognize what you did for them on the cross, and may they turn their life to you. For anyone who is not walking with you as they ought to, God, I pray that you would draw them in unto you in a place of repentance now. And for us, Lord God, that are struggling in relationships, may we recognize your mandate and may we pursue those righteous relationships to bring you glory, to bring you honor. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. come on, give the Lord a hand of praise.